How does an Arab-Palestinian fit into the Jewish state? Today on Shtetl, meet Syed Kashawa, the beloved Israeli comedy writer and novelist who has written in Hebrew for the past 25 years about the sometimes humorous and always complicated story of being an Arab-Israeli. You can download this episode of Shtetl on the shortwave or past episodes of the show from iTunes or from shtetlmontreal.com. Welcome to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. I'm your host, Tamara Kramer, and yesterday I made my first ever phone call to Champaign, Illinois. That's where I found the very funny and generous Arab-Israeli author, Syed Kashua. I've been following Kashua's column in Haaretz for many years and was really blown away by his hit Israeli sitcom, Arab Labor. Very funny. And there's a new film out now based on one of Kashua's novels called Dancing Arabs. Uh, he's written many novels, and uh, Kashua speaks quietly, but if you listen closely, his humor and his serious contemplation about life for Arab citizens of Israel is really enlightening. Uh, the new Israel Fund of Canada is bringing Syed Kashua to speak in Montreal on June 15th at 7 p.m., and the event's taking place at Moisey Hall Theatre on the McGill campus. You can register in advance for tickets by going to NIFCAN. NIFCAN.org. So you'll get a chance to uh, to see Syed Kashua in person, and I hi- highly recommend that you go and, and check him out and hear what he has to say. Uh, here is Shtetl's in-depth conversation with Syed Kashua from Illinois yesterday afternoon. Syed Kashua, welcome to Shtetl on the Shortwave. So this year you left Israel to work and teach in Illinois. What are you teaching there? I'm teaching the advanced Hebrew classes and um, and comedy writing. Advanced Hebrew classes and comedy writing, okay. And how has it been adjusting to life in the United States? Uh, um, I think that we are really very happy to be here. It was not always easy for the first year away from home and in a new country and uh, the need to deal with a new language. But uh, but I think that um, we're, we're really very much happy to be here. Okay. Do you ever miss home? Sorry? Do you ever miss home? If I miss home? Yeah. Yes. Yes, of course I miss home. I'm, I'm not sure what home means, but, mm. uh, but, uh, but I... But if home, uh, but if the meaning of home is my parents and my my uh, my brothers and uh, and my friends and uh, so I miss it so much. Yes, mm. um, yes, of course it's really very difficult and uh, I really miss my mother very much and uh, 
But the problem is that I used to miss home also when I was home. So, what do you mean? Um, well, it was not the it was not the safe uh, home that I that I that I was dreaming of, or it's not the, the safe place uh, uh, that I was uh, uh, wishing to to afford for myself and for my kids. So I think that it was very painful. Uh, home sometimes can be a very violent uh, uh, place, as you know. You were born in a place called Tira. Could you tell me a little yeah. bit about what this Israeli town is like? Well, Tira is considered to be a, um, a Palestinian uh, town in Israel. Uh, I was born there um, in 1975. And I guess that Tira of my childhood also, another home that I miss very much, is, uh, is nothing to be compared with Tira of, uh, of the recent years and of today. It used to be a much smaller, small village, and uh, and today it's a town uh, very crowded. Uh, can be um, can be really very violent town sometimes, and uh, think that uh, now something like about uh, twenty five thousand inhabitants live there. Uh, it will be always home. Tira will be always uh, homeland. Uh, I think. Uh, very much known, and it was written a lot about the, the meaning of homeland. If you if you belong to this uh, Palestinian uh, citizens of Israel, usually means the place that you were born in. So, so, and they miss it very much. Also, I'm very sad because of the because of the situation and the conditions of uh, of Tira and. Uh, uh, but also one of the sad things that I had to face and to see how my my family and my brothers need to uh, to struggle the, the, in order to to survive in uh, quite difficult conditions. Why did your parents decide to send you to a Jewish boarding school in Jerusalem when you were a young teenager? I'm not sure that uh, they really. I'm not sure that they. They they were that much aware of uh, of uh, what they were doing. Uh, I guess that uh, the reason that they decided to send me when I was about 14 to um, to study in you know, a Jewish boarding school in Jerusalem was because it is the best school in Israel. And I was uh, I passed the exams and I was accepted to that school and uh, and, uh, and my parents thought that. Uh, that getting away from the um, from the education system of Tira, that uh, Arab village, and uh, uh, that that was their major goal to give me you know, the opportunity and uh, to make my chances uh, for better future, I guess. Okay, and did you enjoy the school? Did you like your time there? No, no, I, I, I really didn't enjoy it. Um, it was very difficult, and I think that I, uh, the first weeks I, I, I was with my parents to to bring me back home to Tira to the old school. Hmm. Uh, and it was tough uh, being away from my family that I was connected to, uh, and uh, learning a new uh, language or <clears throat> or not understanding that much of a new language and. Uh, and the new culture and the, the 
feeling of being a stranger a stranger was uh, was a very uh, tough feeling for uh, I think as a teenager and uh, so no it was not easy but I survived I think how did you adjust there like at the beginning how how are you different from the other students first of all i have to make it clear my friends from the boarding school uh, are wonderful friends and and uh, and, uh, and i'm still and some of them of course um, my are, are very my very best friends uh, until this very day yes mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, but i think that that it's um, but it was very clear that I have to to try to make some changes. I think, uh, and uh, of course, the language. When I realized that uh, that it seems I'm going to stay there, I uh, so the first thing was to do to do uh, to learn the language and to do my best to to control the Hebrew. And I think yes, uh, many things. Uh, I had it to change uh, my taste in music, for example, and uh, and in food and in culture. Um, again, it's not that the kids there were mean to me or something like that, but it was very obvious that the Arabic language is primitive, the Arabic music is primitive, mm. uh, the way that I dressed uh, was really very different from the way they were uh, uh, dressing. So. So I think that I that it took me a few months to realize that I, if I want to pass as, you know, uh, Ashkenazi Israeli, there are some adjustments that I need to <laughs> to follow. Um, so yeah, again, because I didn't want to be the the stranger. I think I wanted to fit in and, uh, and uh, to be part of the of the students. Did I you? Think that worked very well. So, so you d- you managed to go undercover, sort of as an Ashkenazi Israeli. Do you feel a little bit Jewish? Um, um, no, undercover. No, everyone. Yeah. I don't know if that was the right way of saying it. Maybe not undercover. It's a well. Let's say that if if I if I need, I didn't feel like I'm I'm in danger in in the school. It's a very small school, a very unique school. And wonderful teachers and usually wonderful kids study there, and it was actually very protecting. The school was very protecting. It's uh, but taking the bus out of the school or going to the cinema, going to the theater or or something like that was was some kind of uh, yes, going undercover. I think and, uh, and because because uh, very soon uh, I realized how difficult uh, it would be. Uh, to be recognized as uh, as a Palestinian, as an Arab, an Arab in the streets of Jerusalem, and I think that I was stopped. Uh, not I think I know that I was was stopped for uh, uh, by a, a police on a bus in in my first uh, week in Jerusalem. And I think it was because my clothes, it was because the way that I looked, and uh, so so yes. Yeah. It was scary, and uh, of course, it's much easier if you can fake identity and uh, uh, not show as a <clears throat> as a threat. Uh, unfortunately, for for the, again, generally speaking, for the Israelis in in Western Jerusalem. What are some of the things that you are happy that you took on as part of your identity, uh, be, being in this Jewish environment? And what are some of the things that you wish you hadn't taken on? 
Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, it's, I'm not sure if it's things that I'm happy that they took them or, or things that I didn't. But when it comes to to music, for example, when I was in high school, of course, I rejected the uh, the Arabic music that I grew up listening to. It took me a while on the university that I was ready again to listen to Arabic music. Uh, but I'm very, very happy that um, uh, that I that I was listening to Western music and uh, and to be introduced to to jazz and classical music and especially rock. Yeah. Hmm. But uh, but uh, the problem is that um, sometimes I guess I think that the major uh, thing that happened to me is that uh, moving from Tira to Jerusalem was the language and i'm sure that uh, um, i didn't know and of course my parents didn't know that i would become a writer and then going to use hebrew for writing so so on one hand i really love hebrew as the tool and the only tool that i can uh, can express myself and write a, a story or a column or a movie and on the other hand i think that sometimes it's so painful to use uh, uh, this language, uh, uh, so um, so it's a kind of uh, uh, love hate confusing uh, uh, situation. I think that I uh, uh, that uh, that I adopted the Hebrew as my language of writing and uh, the language of literature, um, probably because I was a young man or a teenager who again part of fitting in and be part of the. Of the powerful majority, and uh, and uh, and you know, and uh, it was maybe I thought writing in Hebrew would would, would let me uh, or give me the opportunity to to make changes and to um, to address uh, the majority, of course, the Israelis, the Hebrew readers. Um, uh, <clears throat> but sometimes I don't know. I feel like. Uh, I feel that um, not being able to to study classical Arabic poetry and uh, and uh, and uh, the fact that I didn't practice writing uh, Arabic uh, can be sometimes very uh, problematic. Hmm. Uh, but again, it's uh, it's really very confusing. It's uh, much more confusing now when I'm away. And uh, still uh, use Hebrew because again that's the only language that they can use for writing, and it's it's, uh, it's frustrating because I I I I I was hoping I still I cannot I cannot really afford to be to lose hope completely, but uh, uh, to to see the place that I left or home, <clears throat> I'm still a citizen of that uh, uh, area. <laughs> Um, as a better place, as a place that Arabic and Hebrew language can live together in harmony and in, uh, in, uh, in equal conditions. But, it, but sometimes, especially in the last summer, that when we decided to move, um, uh, uh, sometimes, yes, I, I just wish that I never left Tira and I was never confused and just... Um, so it's frustrating, mainly because of the political uh, uh, condition getting worse. 
And now you're actually teaching modern Hebrew to students, which must be a bit, uh, <laughs> it's kind of ironic. Or what is that strange for you to be in a classroom in the United States teaching people Hebrew? Um, I don't know if it's ironic. That's that's the language. That's the language of the, that's the language that I use for writing. That's the language that I still um, uh, read, and uh, and uh, that's the language I think that I'm that uh, that is still shaping my thoughts, if I can say say it that way, for the newspaper or for uh, for the novel that I'm working on. So. So I'm trying to 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 do my best to separate between between the language and my love to to, to this language and uh, and to to the political uh, situation. And I know it's difficult to disconnect yeah. <laughs> uh, Hebrew from uh, from uh, from Israel, but uh, but I have uh, no other choice. And still, until this very day, of course, I'm still. The only citizenship that they have is the Israeli citizenship. So I still, I'm still considered. I still consider myself also as a citizen of uh, of Israel, although we live here. Okay. And um, and sometimes, you know, when I talk, of course, to my friends, so sometimes I still have some kind of a small uh, belief that one day uh, things. might get better. Hmm. In your sitcom, Avoda which I've seen a few episodes of, and it's really, it's just very funny and very interesting. You make fun of the challenges of being Arab in Israel. Can you tell us about some of those challenges of some of the awkward situations that you found yourself in and that you um, shed light on in the sitcom? Um... In the system or in my, my personal life? Uh, it's up to you. I mean, if you, I, I figured that oh. the sitcom was sort of based a bit on your personal experiences, so maybe on your personal life, I guess. Yes, yeah, I, I guess, yes. I can, everything that I write is considered to, to, to be based on my personal experience because I'm, um, I'm considered also um, to be um, known for uh, narcissism, but, <laughs> but, so I always write about myself. It's a good quality. Uh, my, my wife is a, 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 a psychotherapist, and she once told me that before Freud wrote anything about narcissism, it was after meeting me for half an hour. So, <laughs> so usually, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> but, but honestly, my my personal life is quite boring. So, so I take it. It's true that I moved. We used to live in in. Uh, in Western Jerusalem, just like Andrew, the uh, the main character in Navodar uh, in, uh, Vita, the TV show, and 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 we we even we shot in the same building that I used to live there hmm. because the, the director, a wonderful friend of mine, knew that I'm writing about this building, about this uh, park in front of the building, about about uh, the, you know about this neighborhood. So we shot it there in the neighborhood. Uh, and in the same building that they used to live uh, in Jerusalem. Um, uh, so yes, I'm just trying. I think that uh, yes, I'm just just like me. Uh, that sense that he that he's trying to do his best uh, to fit um, 
in Israeli society. Uh, and it might, and sometimes it can be really very uh, ridiculous, and sometimes it's, it's very funny, but it's uh, it's also a very sad uh, sitcom because he's always rejected. Uh, so he's trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, his best really with the, I think with the, with the even trying to get a dog in, uh, in uh, to have a dog like uh, to, because Arabs are known for not. Or being scared of dogs, or or um, uh, or even even becoming a vegetarian because his neighbor's Jewish neighbor is vegetarian, <laughs> and <laughs> basically he's doing everything to to be welcomed and to be accepted in his neighborhood. But he but he he he, he always he's always rejected. Hmm. Um, uh, so it's a lot of humor because it was re- the first time I guess. Um, it was a huge challenge uh, to use the Arabic language and the Arabic family uh, in prime time commercial TV in Israel. So, of course, humor was the the, the the key. I knew that I have to, if I'm if I'm going to to deal with so so many problematic issues like uh, like the the Nakba and the mixed couples and. Uh, and religion uh, and a lot of sensitive issues. I, I knew very much that uh, that, uh, that they need to use a lot of humor in order to to you know, first of all to humanize the Arab characters and the first episodes to 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 convince the mainstream Israeli viewers to accept Amjad and his family and his language in in their living room hmm. and and then try to to talk about about how difficult. Uh, it can be uh, to order a pizza or to buy a flat or to to to, to live and uh, as as Arab uh, as Palestinian citizen in in Israel. Why is it difficult to order a pizza? Uh, because the first uh, in the first season <laughs> because 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 we don't have addresses in the neighborhood. When I used to live in Beit Safafa, it's a neighborhood in eastern Jerusalem, uh, so we didn't have an, an address to, uh, to to give the the, the pizza people to to, to bring <laughs> the pizza home. Okay. So the so the father of Amjad still lives in Beit Safafa, and uh, and he usually you know gives the directions like it's. Beyond the, the green uh, garbage bin, you have to turn right and things like that. And also sometimes because of, uh, um, I think some of the services services were not uh, uh, made or done or delivered in Western Jerusalem neighborhoods because because some people thought it, it would be dangerous to uh, uh, to get there. Oh, you mean to order a pizza if you lived in East Jerusalem? Yes, yes. Because the first season is Amjad lives in in East Jerusalem. But, okay, uh, I see. I see. So there, there, so there is an episode about about uh, ordering a pizza. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen all. I only saw a few that had English translation, but. Uh-huh. Yes, but it's, but it's more than that. It's about, of course, it's not about the pizza and daily life. Mm-hmm. It's also about about what's the meaning of uh, living in a Jewish state and how mm-hmm. and w- what are the narratives. And we deal also with the 
uh, with, uh, with the Israeli education. We, we deal with, uh, with the Nakba, the Palestinian catastrophe. And, How uh, did you find... Course, and we are dealing with, with, uh, with, uh, with settlements in, the, uh, in, uh, in eastern Jerusalem. Um, very tough issues, I guess. Yes. How, did, how were you able to, to get this show to pass on mainstream Israeli TV when you made, uh, when you made light of situations like the Nakba or settlements? How, how did you manage to make it funny but also acceptable to the mainstream Israelis? Again, I used a lot of humor. I, I used a lot of humor uh, uh, um, um, in, in the episodes and uh, and uh, um, and uh, okay. I would I would never start or begin with the first season talking about uh, about the Nakba. So, for for example, the, the the first time that we we talk about the Nakba, it's the eighth episode in the second season. Okay. So people and the viewers already know Amjad very well, and they know that he's just trying to to uh, you know to live his life, and he's not a threat, and he's just a nice person. And then and then and then we can talk about it. And if you watch the the, the episode about the Nakba, it's uh, it, it begins with really really very uh, with a lot of. Uh, of uh, of uh, of of humor, and um, uh, my doctor just told me that I'm not supposed to say really and very in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have your own language coach right beside you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> She's fourteen, so <laughs> um, um. Uh, so, so again, um, at the, the beginning of the, the very uh, sad episode was was uh, was very funny. Uh, a lot of black humor, and uh, I think that most of the viewers, uh, also mainstream Israelis, would cry by the end of that uh, of that episode and different uh, different episodes. Mm. So it's again, it's, uh, um, uh, uh, it's uh, knowing the characters and humanizing the characters and uh, and the use of a lot of a lot of humor uh, like over the seasons and even with your articles and Haaretz have you had a lot of criticism you must have from from either Jews or from Arab citizens <clears throat> yes but I think that's part of my 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 work and it's part of my life it's, it doesn't mean that, I, that it's not difficult and it's not tough um, yes, of course. At the beginning, also for many, for many Arab viewers, uh, that it was the first time that they um, uh, uh, that they are exposed to my to my work because uh, I, before the TV show, I published uh, two novels and uh, and I was writing for the art newspaper, but. Uh, so it's in Hebrew, and uh, so the first time that the Arabs were exposed to my to my satire and work was because of uh, Arab labor. It's a commercial mm-hmm. TV, the biggest channel in Israel, and so yeah, at the beginning they they were very uh, suspicious about uh, about uh, what is that all about, and uh, and uh, who's this character that got no national uh, dignity whatsoever that is doing his best to. To pass as Israeli, Ashkenazi, Israeli, and uh, so it took a while. Uh, I, I was criticized, of course, and even harshly criticized in most of the newspapers in the first season. But it, but the situation changed. 
and uh, and people get used to it. And I guess that many of the Palestinian viewers even uh, loved Amjad and the character, and uh, and they realized the the, the efforts uh, that we were uh, trying to to make there. Okay. Um, to 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 fight racism and to and mm. to talk about you know to give some kind of maybe hope for uh, normal uh, coexistence I guess mm. and from the Israeli side uh, sure it's not it's not it's not uh, pleasant to uh, to read uh, um, uh, uh, and to receive phone calls of uh, go to Gaza and uh, and, uh, and uh, being uh, uh, a traitor uh, um, uh, from inside Israel, mm. uh, so of course bad comments are, uh, are always there, and uh, I guess still there are a lot of people who who support and love and um, and, uh, and and agree. Maybe a small group, but it's getting smaller, especially when it gets to Haaretz newspaper. I think that in Haaretz, I I write differently than than the way I used to to write scripts. Uh, I, I knew very well that Arab labor is uh, is meant to be on prime time commercial TV. Yes, mm-hmm. and in Haaretz, Haaretz, uh, it's a small, wonderful newspaper. Um, it's supposed to be or considered to be very liberal newspaper, and then, and when I read Haaretz and my Jew, Jewish colleagues in Haaretz, I know that they are uh, criticized and attacked uh, uh, more than uh, more than I am attacked in the in the talkbacks and uh, mm-hmm. you know. In one of your recent articles in Haaretz, because you're continuing your um, your column from the United States, you mentioned going to check out a new Middle Eastern restaurant in your small town in Illinois, and the cashier serving you was excited that you were Palestinian too, until she found out that you live inside Israel, at which point she like demoted you from Palestinian to Arab-Israeli. What is the relationship between Arabs living in Israel and those in the occupied territories? Like, How would you how would you personally identify yourself as Israeli, Arab Israeli, as Palestinian, as another term? Yeah, um, uh, I would say that I'm that I will I will stick to the facts. Uh, I'm I'm a, uh, I'm a Palestinian. I belong to a Palestinian family, and also I'm a citizen of Israel. That's the only citizenship that I'm carrying, and uh, and I'm a citizen of Israel. So 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 I'm a Palestinian citizen of Israel. <laughs> now resident of Champagne, Illinois. But anyway, <laughs> uh, 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 sometimes yes. Sometimes uh, uh, um, I'm not sure about the Palestinians who live in the West Bank uh, because they are they they, they 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 are more familiar and they 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 know better uh, our situation inside Israel than than maybe Palestinians who live in different. Uh, 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 places in the Middle East or around the world, and uh, and and also in the Arab world. I'm not sure how 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 much of the the people in the Arab world or the 
the normal people or you know uh, mainstream uh, uh, know exactly what does it mean to be and to be a Palestinian Arab citizen of Israel. Uh, for many of them, it can be it can sound like being uh, some kind of a traitor or col- collaborator with Israel because they don't know. Uh, they might not know the facts and the history, and um, uh, uh, we are part of the Palestinian people. So some of the Palestinians, after 48, uh, uh, the, this group of small group of Palestinians who remained in their villages, they became Israeli citizens. No one asked them if, if they want to be Israeli citizens or not. The majority, of course, uh, became refugees. Uh, so we're talking about the same, the same, the same people. Ooh. But here, it's. Uh, I think it, it can be really. Sometimes I think it can be very confusing for um, for people here. Like, uh, oh, you are Palestinian. You're teaching Hebrew, and and the fact that I write in uh, write, that I'm a writer and write in Hebrew and write about Palestinian issues in Hebrew. It's uh, it's very tough to explain to people. <laughs> so. Syed, last year you left Israel, it was during the Gaza war, and you wrote an article in The Guardian about how you didn't think you would ever come back. How do you feel about the possibility for Arab-Jewish coexistence in Israel and Palestine now? Um, now the situation is very bad and very sad. Um, and not only for for uh, not only for of course for Palestinians the West Bank for first of all for the Palestinians who live under occupation I don't live under occupation and we are discriminated and we, are not, we don't have equal rights inside the state of Israel but we didn't live under occupation so so that that's a very sad situation and the problem is not it's not only sad for uh, for Palestinians and occupied territories and uh, and inside Israel but also for many of the liberal Israelis, uh, uh, and, uh, if we can talk about left-wing Israel or people who who used to believe in, uh, in two-state solution or any kind of solution, uh, are facing very bad times uh, now. Um, but again, I, I I'm not sure that I don't have any reason to 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 be hopeful right now. I, I just read the news and read the news about the, uh, the government and the new policies and the new laws and uh, and uh, they read the, just to look at the list of the ministers in Israel and uh, and it makes me really very sorry it makes me very worried uh, about the future of that region. Um, but again, knowing my friends and knowing my neighbors and knowing mom. The people that uh, that they used to to share the same rooms in the university and, and, and the boarding school, um, and my parents and my brothers and my family, uh, I cannot really I cannot really afford losing hope completely um, because of the wonderful people uh, that I knew. So I'm so I'm trying to do my best to separate between the government and uh, and the people. And, uh, at least the people that I know and that I trust, um, and there are not few. Uh, uh, after all, the government in Israel is a, is a very small government, and the, the coalition is 61 out of uh, 120. Mm-hmm. Um, but the situation now is really difficult when it comes to democracy, freedom of speech, uh, 
um, no one talks about about ending the occupation and uh, no one talks about uh, about the uh, peace process uh, they just talk about how scary it is to be a citizen of Israel and about uh, getting ready for the next war and that uh, mm-hmm. and that uh, very frustrating and very very sad. It is said, uh, in an ideal world, how would you like to see things evolve over there? Like, what would a decent future in that part of the world look like to you? Well, I'm not a politician, but uh, people can talk about one-state solution or two-state solution. I would talk about any solution. I would stick to the... To the international law, I guess, and the demand of the Palestinian Authority representing the Palestinian people for for establishing a state uh, in occupied Palestine and ending the occupation. I guess ending the occupation would be the the uh, uh, the beginning of a process in in the way I imagine things, and I'm maybe uh, naive a little bit, but. but just the basics of democracy, a real state, a real democracy, and that there are no differences between uh, between Muslims and Christians and Jews and sharing the same land and living together. No forced segregation and and, uh, and that that kids can play and go to the same schools and they can and they can love and get married. Just just the very basics of democracy that all citizens are equal. Mm, nothing more than that, actually. What do you think about the BDS movement? Are you for or against it? <coughs> I hope I'm not asking you questions uh, that you don't want to answer. <laughs> no, there's a law, in, a new law in Israel. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that you're aware of the new, the new law in Israel, so... so one can be arrested if he <laughs> if he talks about uh, about uh, boycotting Israel. Um, for citizens, for me as a as, as a Palestinian citizen of Israel, it's a very complicated question. Uh, I can support uh, uh, any kind of pressure that can end the occupation, of course, uh, but it's complicated because I cannot boycott myself and I cannot boycott my uh, friends, writers, or academics. Uh, so it's a very complicated question, and uh, and in this case, I'm um, um, I'm a citizen of uh, of Israel. Uh, that's that's uh, that's the that's the reality. So so it makes it uh, uh, much more complicated because at least as citizens, our demand is to have to more Arab academics and more Arab lawyers and uh, and judges and. And more Knesset members, and more writers, and more in the media. But I guess it's different because we're still. Uh, but again, if it if boycotting uh, settlements, economy, and uh, uh, would would bring to end the occupation, and uh, so I would support anything that can force the government of Israel to uh, to end the occupation. Okay. How does being Arab or Muslim in the United States ca- compare to being Arab or Muslim in in Israel? Um, 
I don't know because I really, I don't I don't I don't know and in my columns I wrote it's it's not my problem I'm not a citizen here it's the problem of the of the of the of the Arab citizens and Muslims and um, it's it's I can talk only about my my personal experience and I might be naive because I'm I'm here just for less than a year okay mm-hmm. uh, I didn't I didn't see anything uh, in my personal experience uh, uh, that pointed at me as a, as a Muslim or an Arab or unwelcomed nothing of course to compare uh, uh, to Israel there is no way to compare uh, being a Palestinian being a Muslim being Arab in Israel is part of your daily life you have to protect yourself and you are always aware of the fact that you are different and then and that you can be considered a threat uh, it's a it's a job to walking in the streets of jerusalem you have to be always aware of the fact that you are a minority and and uh, and uh, and some again very yes generally speaking yes uh, that you might look as a threat for for people there i i i've heard um from from, from my friends in universities and of course uh, female lecturers who cover their hair that uh, that sometimes they face uh, racism and uh, but since I'm not sure that we look uh, like a, a typical I don't know what is typical but uh, I mean we don't cover our hair or something like that so I'm not sure that they ever uh, notice any kind of behavior because uh, of me or my family, my wife and kids uh, are, are Muslims at all. It's just to make it a little bit clear. It's the fact that I can register my kids to any public school that I want. That's already a huge uh, difference between here and Israel. The fact that I can buy a house or rent a house in, in any uh, neighborhood that I want here in in the state. You cannot understand how difficult uh, and uh, and of course impossible it is for uh, an, uh, a Palestinian citizen of Israel to do that. Uh, mm. so, so I'm sure that the, the situation is very difficult and it's tough to be Muslim uh, in many places around the world, but, but I cannot really compare our situation to, 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 to the reality in Israel. There is nowhere to compare. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like, sometimes it feels like the, the American, uh, I mean, policy of the, of the White House can affect you as a Muslim in the Middle East more than it can affect you as a Muslim in the state. So, hmm. mm-hmm. uh, what's been the most shocking thing about living in the United States for you? So, what's the most shocking thing about living in the United States about? about the country that you maybe didn't know before you actually lived there? The most shocking. Or surprising. That I need to um, to collect the leaves in the, in the autumn and put them in bags. <laughs> 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 okay. And among them, it's... Uh, it's 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 very it was a very difficult uh, year for us and um and it took me a while also to um to to realize that I live in the midwest I remember when we first landed in chicago and uh, and we, we took a bus and to to champagne just 
I couldn't imagine that a place can be so flat. And <laughs> so that's shocking. Flat places are shocking. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's just being away, being away from 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 home. As a writer, and um, as a writer who uses the Hebrew of that place, and as a writer who, who usually write about the political situation and the social and the cultural situation in that place, and as someone for for the sake of the Palestinians and the Israelis, uh, I, I do really very much care uh, about the future uh, of that uh, of that place called home, if it's Palestine and Israel. So it's tough. Uh, the, the feeling of being here and some some kind of uh, uh, giving up the fight. It's, um, it's something that uh, that I that I hate thinking of and uh, maybe there's the reason that one day or maybe soon I'll decide to, to go back it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's the very hard feeling that I gave up and I'm not supposed to hmm. I, I guess a lot like people like me or there's other people I mean I just obviously I want you to be happy not that we are personal friends or anything but I think a lot of people um want you to go back um, it seems like it would be almost like a, a message of hope or something that you would you would go back but anyways obviously you know it's your life do your kids want to go back no uh, schools here are much easier than the ones in jerusalem i'm very happy hmm. here um this is my last very last question do you believe in god and if yes what do you think she's trying to tell us with this never-ending Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Um, do I really need to answer that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You don't need to answer okay. anything. I would no, of course not. <laughs> um, Syed, I'm. I know I really went over time and I really appreciate that you, you took the time and I'm really excited uh, to come see your talk when you come here to Montreal. So thank you so much for all your writing. Oh, you. Am I going to meet you there? I hope so. Gonna be, oh, you're going to be in the talk? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Oh, okay, great. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks. Okay, take care. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Er hat sich die Städtel auf den Shortwave auf CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. So that was the Palestinian-Israeli novelist and comedy writer Syed Kashua. You can see him speak on June 15th at Moisey Hall on the McGill campus in Montreal. To reserve a ticket, you can go to nifcan.org, N-I-F-C-A-N.org. And if you can't make it, check out his regular column in Haaretz newspaper. And on the topic of home, here's a bit of music from Leonard Cohen. He's a sportsman and a shepherd He's a lazy bastard living in a suit 
But he does say what I tell him Even though it isn't welcome He just doesn't have the freedom To refuse He will speak these words of wisdom Like a sage, a man of vision Though he knows he's really nothing But the brief elaboration of a tube Going home without my sorrow Going home sometime tomorrow Going home to where it's better than before Going home without my burden Going home behind the curtain Going home without the costume that I wore So that was Leonard Cohen, and you're listening to Shtetl on the Shortwave on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal. And we have some time for uh, some extra music, so I thought I'd play you a sweet song I just heard by another young Palestinian from Israel. Her name is Haya Zatri, and this song is called Borders and Promises.
نفس الهوى والريح مش نفس القفص بالظبط نفس الطير الجري TFM. Imagine if all the people in the world thought this way. <laughs> Mind blown. 